0: Well, this week is Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving is a very unique holiday for Americans, very distinctive. It doesn't commemorate a battle. It doesn't uh, celebrate anybody's birthday or anybody's anniversary or any uh, special great event in American history. It is simply a day set aside to express our thanks to God as a nation, as an individual, and as families. Many years ago, there was a missionary by the name of Henry Frost, missionary to China. In his journal, he wrote of a very particularly difficult season in his life. He had received very sad news from home and he was uh, just uh, troubled and the dark clouds seemed to be just covering him. He prayed, but it didn't seem like the uh, darkness lifted. He purposed in his heart, I'm just going to be strong, and it didn't seem like it worked. The darkness only deepened. And then he went into the mission station where he uh, lived and worked. And then he saw on the walls a plaque, unassuming, simple words, but he saw the words, try thanksgiving. Someone along the line had just realized how important it was to just stop and thank the Lord. There he was in the midst of his darkness on the wall. He saw the words, try thanksgiving. And so he did in that very moment. He said, Lord, I just thank you. He began with what he did thank the Lord for, his salvation, thank the Lord for how good he was. He just began to thank the Lord. And as he began to thank the Lord, all the shadows, all the darkness just evaporated. Now, perhaps this morning you're here and you felt like uh, there's been some shadows, some dark clouds that have come over your life. Maybe you're struggling under some heavy burdens, and some of them seem certainly unbearable. Then I say along with the psalmist and so many others in Scripture and in history, try thanksgiving. The psalmist said in Psalm 92, verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. It is a good thing. It is good because as a Christian, God deserves our prayer. It's a good thing. But it is not only good, it is good for you. You know, the complaint counter is very full. There's two lines. There's the complaint counter and there's a long line. But the gratitude counter, very few. There's plenty of room for Thanksgiving. I know you've been used to complaining, but I ask the question how that's working for you. It doesn't work, does it? It doesn't really get anywhere. But the Thanksgiving counter, full. It's ready for us to give our praise to the Lord. Well, I'm looking forward to this morning's message, and I pray that it goes well and all of your hearts are blessed. I read the story about this man this week where things really didn't go real well for him. He was a turkey farmer, always experimenting with breeding the perfect turkey. Now, his own family was very fond of the leg portion of the turkey, but he realized there was never enough legs for everyone in his family. And so, after many frustrating attempts, the farmer finally was able. He related the results of his efforts to his friends at the general store they had gotten together, and he said, I finally did it. I bred a turkey that has six legs. They said, well, man, how does it taste? He said, I really don't know. I can't ever catch the stupid thing. And uh, well, I hope you catch this this morning here. Let's bow our heads forward to prayer. Father, we thank you for your good word. Thank you for thanksgiving. I pray that, Lord, you would help us to try it more. And, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to Psalm 92, if you would, please, verse 1. Psalm 92, verse 1. And let's all read that together out loud. I think it's, uh, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. Something powerful about hearing. Not only the eye gate, but the ear gate. And so let's all say it together. Psalm 92, verse 1. Ready? Begin. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. All of us go through difficult seasons. Nobody is immune to that. Being human, we don't find ourselves particularly grateful for going through difficult times. I know I don't. It'd be strange if you did. And yet in those seasons, I often find that my relationship to the Lord is much more close. In those times, we can thank the Lord for his promises, his unfailing goodness. And is it incredible to me what happens? It just never ceases to amaze me. The power of praise. Every time I just Thank the Lord and praise Him. There is a wonderful change that takes place, sometimes in the situation itself, many times, not a lot. But what happens is there's a change that takes place inside of me. All of a sudden, the clouds seem to kind of dissipate, and there's a sun that breaks through. Why is it this morning? Uh, that we don't praise. And what are some facts about thanksgiving that I think we should look at? Well, f- first of all, as a Christian, let me give you the first fact I think about thanksgiving that would be important to consider. First of all, we exceed so greatly. We're so blessed as we just sang. 1 Timothy 6:17. charge them that are rich in this world. Charge them that are rich in this world. That would be all of us here. You'd say, well, I'm not rich. You know, that whole concept of rich and poor needs to be really thought through, because 99 percent anywhere else in the world, especially third world countries, we are rich. We are rich in this world, in this world, meaning there are other riches out of this world. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Don't be proud and get all sassy about yourself like you've made yourself there. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Never trust in them. They're a banana peel, I'll tell you. You will slip and fall. But rather trust in the living God. And let's say that last little phrase together. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Really? Wow. God says we are so blessed. And he gave us all those things to enjoy. Now, some people feel bad about having riches. You know, uh, we were able to get a new car here. We've been saving for five years, and uh, it's a beautiful car. And uh, so now we don't, uh, we call Pauline Miss Fancy Pants because uh, she has this new car she drives around. Just because my car is a 1958 Car, It's okay. But um, no, the fact is, we're very grateful for that. And, you know, the truth is, uh, God, it's okay to enjoy nice things. You don't have to feel guilty about enjoying nice things. In fact, what it says, we can enjoy it richly. It's okay to enjoy that steak richly. It's okay to enjoy, you know, a, a walk in the beautiful, cool fall morning and to enjoy the beautiful uh, scenery, uh, hear all these colors on this campus, for example. I drove through the little prayer forest yesterday and just was amazed. What a beautiful little place there. It's just a picture perfect uh, for families for sure. But uh, the, all the things the Lord has done, it is okay to enjoy the food, the, the niceties of life, the scenery. It's okay to enjoy it and to enjoy it richly. The sad thing is, so many Americans are so rich and yet don't enjoy. They don't enjoy it richly. In fact, they don't even enjoy it at all. This man a few weeks back in Las Vegas who committed the largest mass killing in U.S. history, Stephen Paddock, he was worth over $5 million, and yet it meant nothing to him. The only joy he could get was causing somebody else a lot of pain. It's sad when so many people have so much, and yet they just have no joy. The fact is, I have never seen so much stuff and junk in all my life. I drive around town, and occasionally people have their garage doors open, and I look inside of there, and about 90% of the time, you couldn't get a car in there if you tried. There's so much junk everywhere. Just, we have junk, and people have sales, and I mean, it's just junk and people drive around buying more junk. It's just unbelievable. Folks, if there's ever been anybody who has exceeded, it is certainly Americans. We exceed so greatly. And sadly, we expect unbelievably so much. There's a second fact I think is important to realize is that we expect so much. Now, it's a well-known fact that the entitlement mindset has been deeply ingrained into Pretty much every area of life, especially advertisers, they will play on this feeling that we all have, most of us have, and that is something like you owe it to yourself, or you remember the old Mcdonald 's used to have that little dance routine they 'd say, "You deserve a break today, and they would you know you need to have and uh, the old Dr. Pepper take a break, and uh, you know you deserve it or you deserve that cruise. Pamper yourself. You've earned it. Now, these are all things playing on that entitlement mindset. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. But what is surprising to me, and actually is just, I can't even hardly understand it anymore, is how pervasive that concept is getting in the churches. Somehow, if you don't preach this concept that, you know, God is here to be your personal genie, You just rub that little bottle and he's going to come out and do for you everything you need. Kind of like the old, uh, I prayed God yesterday, where are my blessings today? Now that kind of concept is a entitlement mindset. Let me just be frank and say something that needs to be said. And that is this, God owes you and I nothing. Absolutely nothing. God is not obligated in any way. In fact, if justice had its way, every one of us would burn in a fiery hell. God owes us nothing. But I am great to announce this morning that while God owes us nothing, by his great mercy and by his great grace, he has given us everything abundantly. That's amazing that God has done that for us. Someone suggested maybe we ought to turn around our prayers and say, instead of, Lord, bless me, maybe we ought to say, Lord, is there anything I can do for you today? We ought to wake up and say, Lord, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? The Bible so often in Scripture says that in David, blessed the Lord. We ask God to bless us. Well, maybe we ought to just stop and bless the Lord. We exceed so greatly. We expect so much. And sadly, number three, we exalt so little. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, probably the greatest Thanksgiving verse in the whole New Testament. Giving thanks always for all things. Let's just say that again. Giving thanks always for all things. That's right there, the greatest Thanksgiving verse. Giving thanks, not just giving thanks, but always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe not uh, for everything, but we can certainly give thanks in all circumstances. You know, there's really four levels of life. The lowest level are those who complain about everything, always grumbling. These are the kind of people that make your day a whole lot better when they leave the room. When that day happens, it's a great day. That's the lowest level. Then there's another level and that is the people who don't really complain, but frankly, they never thank the Lord either. They, uh, they have a lot of things happen to them. They never complain, it's true, but they never thank God. That's the second level. But there's a third level of people, and that is the people who do thank God. They thank God for their obvious blessings. When something good happens, they do thank the level. They do thank the Lord, and that's a better level, but the best level of Christianity are those who are grateful for all things at all times. And when we get to the place where we're thanking God in, for all things that happen, no matter what, because I can just thank Him, we've learned the secret of joy. Christian author Dale Robbins said this, I used to think that people complain. listen, I used to think that people complained because they had a lot of problems. But I've come to realize that most people have problems because they complain." Complaining doesn't change anything. It only amplifies our frustration. It spreads discontent. And it is absolutely an open invitation to the devil to mess with us. Complaining makes us miserable. Positive, thankful people are a great witness to this old dark world. And when that happens, they begin to realize how good God has been to us. The old poem says it this way. I'm thankful for the taxes I pay because it means... I'm employed. I'm thankful for the clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have enough to eat. A lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. The spot I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking. My huge heating bill because it means I'm warm. The piles of laundry and ironing because it means my loved ones are nearby. The alarm that goes off in the early morning hours because it means I'm alive and the weariness of my aching muscles at the end of the day, because it means I've been productive. Why should we try thanksgiving? There are three reasons, I believe. The first one is this. It is the mark of a growing Christian. We all want to grow in the Lord. 1 Peter 2, 2 is newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. God wants us to grow, not just stay babies in the Lord. I love babies. We love babies in our home. We love babies in this church. and We better love babies in this church for sure. We love them. But I will say one thing about babies, they are ungrateful little things, ungrateful absolutely. <laughs> that little baby has colic. You pick that little baby up, And you walk around with that baby, you rock them, you know, and you can do that for two solid hours. Wear your legs out, wear your arms out, you're tired, you know, you just want to lay down. And finally, you lay that baby down for one second and they will scream bloody murder as though you hate them. Why did you put me down? And I have never yet had a baby say thank you, ever. (laughs) They just don't say thank you. Now they learn more or whatever that is. I don't know those little sign language. We have several of our grandkids and they'll come up and they can't talk, but they got the sign language. I don't know how they figure that out, but boy, they got it out. They want more. Thank you. When we realize that we are being thankful, we realize we're growing. Psychologists tell us that sincere gratefulness, thanksgiving is the healthiest of all human emotions. And if we don't have it thanksgiving, it actually has the opposite effect. Look what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Here's what Paul said about people who don't thank God. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. And look what happened. If you don't give thanks to God, your thinking becomes futile and your foolish heart will become darkened. Woo. That's some serious verse right there. God says, if we don't practice thankfulness, if we just spend our mind with this negative feeling, I told my wife the other day, some of those folks in the Costco parking lot, they look like ax murderers. I mean, uh, the, the look on their faces, I mean to tell you, just like, do not take that spot. I will kill you. I have a machine gun in my car. I will get. I will blow you away. Don't take that spot. And uh, I don't know what it is about some of these places. Like, <laughs> what is the deal with these people? I mean, come on. Let, tell your face. You're happy. It's a good day. I promise you. I won't steal your space. And uh, I remember a few Christmases ago. I'd been circling around looking for a perfect space, and I found this one space right in front of Marshall's. I thought this is it. Boy, I tell you what. I waited patiently. I had my blinker on. I'm going to go into that space. I, I mean, I did everything like a polite person was supposed to do, and I waited for that person to back out. I was sitting there thinking, this is a beautiful Christmas season, and uh, just as I was ready, just as that person backed out, I mean, instantaneously, this wild woman drives right in there, and she parks and just ran into Marshall's. I stood out there just kind of staring at her thinking, hmm, boy, I'll tell you one thing right there. I'll tell you one thing, you better, you can't be too polite, I for sure. But you know what? God wants us to be thankful. He wants us to be grateful and not just push everybody away. I read the story of a preacher who was on an airline flight. He looked over next to him, saw this very well-dressed man, very kind-looking gentleman. And then next to him was this magnificently dressed woman with all kinds of jewelry. But she was complaining, boy, complaining about everything, grumbling about the flight. The weather, the news, the food, the service, you name it, always complaining. He decided to engage the man in a little conversation, and he, in the midst of doing so, he said, What do you do, sir? And then told him what business he did. He said, Well, what do you do? He said, I'm a minister. And the pastor looked over and said, Is this your wife? And he said, Yes, it is. And he said, What does she do? Oh, he said, She's in the manufacturing business. Oh, she is. And what does she manufacture? He said she manufactures her own unhappiness. <laughs> and you know, there are a lot of folks sadly like that. They just manufacture their own sadness. He is the mark of a growing Christian. Thankfulness is the mark of a going Christian. When we take the time and effort to realize how much God has done for us, it makes us just go for the Lord. Someone has said that for Thanksgiving to be real... For Thanksgiving to be a real Thanksgiving, there needs to be both thanks and giving. Then it's a real Thanksgiving. Now, the fact is, this past year, 2017, has been a truly blessed year for the home church. We have seen lives transform. We have just seen so many answers to prayer. Our church is growing. Truly, it it is a growing church, a going church for a coming Lord. But while our congregation has grown, so are the needs. And God has blessed us, and we should bless his work. James 1.17 says, every good gift, every perfect gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Every good gift comes from the Lord. God has so blessed us. Now, most of you go to a restaurant now and then, and it's always a nice thing to have a good server there. Whether it be a man or a woman, it's always wonderful to have somebody that treats you well. And here in America, it is our custom, and we typically will give that person a tip, at least 15%, sometimes 20%. And uh, for most people in this room, you would feel very inconsiderate if you didn't give that person at least 15%. And yet, sadly, for some reason, people have a real problem when the pastor stands up or anybody stands up and says, you know what? It is God's will that we give 10% to his work. I think think we need to rethink some of our priorities when we're more interested in giving a tip to the server as much as they deserve, and I'm all for that. You know what? We ought to make sure we show and express our thankfulness to the Lord because it is a going Christian and a going church that has needs. Why don't we? Well, there are at least three reasons why we're not thankful. The first one is conceit. It's that attitude that says, no one ever gave me anything. I work hard for everything I have. I don't know anything. With this kind of attitude, we feel like we don't have anybody to thank but ourselves. We have an amazing uh, thing that's brewing in the medical world. They're telling us that there are more and more what's called superbugs. These are disease-resistant strains of different um, viruses and other uh, diseases. But I submit to you the most incurable disease is that known to the human soul, conceit. Conceit. It is a terrible thing, it is just destructive. I heard a young woman that said about herself, I'm not conceited, I'm just convinced. (laughs) Number two, there is a second thing that causes us trouble, not only conceit, but criticism. That's what keeps us from being thankful, is criticism, a critical spirit constant complaining, you name it, some people will find anything to complain about. It was a wise man who said, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most fools do. Let me say that again. My dad quoted that to me years ago when I was just a young guy, probably I'd been unthankful. Any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most fools do. A daughter was complaining and criticizing. She was just grumbling about everything in the house and everything about her life. Her father, who was a chef, realized how hard things were for her, but he wanted to teach her a lesson about reacting to the things about us. And so he took her into the kitchen and he filled three pots with water, didn't say a word, he brought each of those pots up to a boil, and, and each pot he put something different. In one pot, he took some carrots and threw it in there. In the other pot, he took some, a couple of eggs, raw eggs, and threw them in there. And In the third pot, he took some ground coffee and put it in there, brought them all to a boil, waited a few minutes, and then turned it off. The daughter, impatient, trying to figure out what new lesson dad was trying to tell her, he went over, turned off the Burners and then strained everything out, took the carrots out and put them in a plate and touched them and they just turned to mush, just a pile of orange mush. He took the egg out that was once so fragile, now was hard, just like a rock. Put it there at another little plate and then he took that third pot that was ground coffee now, was just this rich, beautiful coffee. He poured it in a cup and he said, honey, these three pots represent what can happen to us. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. Everybody has troubles that come into their life. And that's like this hot water. I mean, it just boils you. It just works you over. Some people just turn to mush. They're so weak. They just, they just, they just disintegrate. Go away. Other people turn hard. From the inside out, boy, they're as hard as a rock. Just like that egg. Others they don't change. They change the environment around them, like coffee. Coffee just begins to go th- all throughout the water, and then you have a rich, deep cup of coffee. You know, it's up to us what adversity does to us. It's up to us. We can either turn to mush, we can get hard like an old hard boiled egg, or we can just change the environment around us. And that's what happens when we begin to be a person of praise. There's a third reason why I think we don't give thanksgiving, and that is because of carelessness. Carelessness. you remember the story of the Israelites? These people were grumbling, fussing people. I mean, I tell you, if it wasn't one thing, it was another. Think about them. They were out there in the wilderness. I mean, it's true. It wasn't a McDonald's anywhere. There was no Taco Bell. Thank God for Taco Bell with large families. Amen. I mean, That's right there. That's manna. But I mean, there was so God fed them every morning. They'd wake up and there would be a miracle every morning. I mean, a miracle. Sometimes I hear people say, where's all the miracles? I mean, boy, I read about it in the Bible and there's so many miracles. Well, first of all, there are a lot of miracles going on. We just don't see them. But second of all, fact is, If you had a miracle every day, and I had a miracle every day, and we knew it, we'd be just like these Israelites. Because what happened to them after they had this miracle every morning with this manna, this crust-like bread on the ground? They just had to pick it up and eat it. Every day they had it, and pretty soon they started complaining. Man, every day, I have all, every day I get a miracle, and it's the same thing every day. Oh, my goodness. But I mean to tell you, that's what we're like straight from God every day and yet no longer satisfied." How many, uh, how many know when Thanksgiving Day is? Uh, do you know the date of Thanksgiving Day? Do you, anybody know? 23rd? I'm, I'm sorry to have to be a preacher here, but you're wrong. Because every day is Thanksgiving Day. Amen? Every day, not Thursday, not the 23rd, I'm telling you the 24th and the 22nd and the 20th and the 19th and the 18th, every day, 365 days a year is Thanksgiving Day. Amen? Amen. 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 Sorry, had to do that to you, but uh, I appreciate the help in the sermon. That's that's the kind of thing that happens nobody will ever answer me again. That's it. I'm never saying nothing to that pastor. He's going to make fun of me. There was a family who was at church, and in church there, they were listening to the different testimonies, and they heard about one couple whose heart was broken, but because their son had been killed in a battle, and the family, in honor of their son, gave a large gift to the program of the church, and it was a very beautiful moment, a very touching moment. On the way home, that one particular couple was driving home. And the wife said to her husband, she said, "Uh, honey, I think we ought to do the same thing. I think we ought to give a gift in honor of our son. He looked at her and said, I'm not, why? Our son isn't dead. He's alive. And she said, exactly. I think that we ought to give a gift in his honor. Because of all God's done for us. You know the fact is, I believe we ought to give thanks to the Lord when not only in the tough times, the good times, all the time, 365 days a year, we ought to try Thanksgiving. Why should we try Thanksgiving? Because it is the mark of a growing Christian. It is the mark of a going Christian, but it is also the mark of a glowing Christian. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Let's read these verses together, if you would, Mark chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I love this passage. All right, ready? Begin. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven so shine. It didn't just say, let it shine. Let it so shine with an emphasis on the method. Let it so shine. When we say something's good, we say, oh, that's good. When I say something's, oh, that's so good. That's so good. Oh, that was a great message. That, was, that message was so good, or that was a great dinner. That was so good. God said, let your light so shine. Be proactive about this thing. Don't just let life crawl up your back. You just determine that you are going to be a glowing Christian. Have you ever met somebody that just seems to have a glow about them? I mean, typically we say that about someone who just gets engaged, you know, and they're walking around, you know, some gals walking around with that to ring. And I mean, we're looking at it and and she's just glowing. We just... We're so happy for them. Or maybe a couple finds out that they're going to have their first baby or their second baby or their tenth baby or whatever. Well, anyway. um, and they just have a glow about them. We say, I knew something was different about you. You're just glowing. Or maybe someone just proposed to them, you know, or some, they just got a raise and they walk in, you know, you just, your, your wife or your husband, they're just, they're just glowing. God said, we ought to be we ought to, our lights should so shine, we should glow so much that people give praise to God. Now some people have a glowing personality, and it's just there's certain a natural ability, maybe their family style is just a kind of an outgoing person, maybe like a politician or something. But the fact of the matter is the Christian world is something that happens by by a process, by a, by a decision. It's not just a personality. Let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27, verse 35, this man just glowed for the Lord. Now, what did he do to make such a difference? Well, he gave his testimony everywhere. He thanked God for all the things that he's doing. And in one case, he just was simply a public prayer for his food. Verse 35, and he said this, After he said this, he, Paul, took some bread and gave thanks to God. And Luke, the author of the book of Acts, very clearly said he did this in front of them all. He gave public thanks to God for the food in front of them all. Now, the backstory is important. These mariners, they'd been having a tough time. And this was a difficult season and Paul was there uh, on that boat and that people could have wondered all about what was going on and they, they probably didn't have time for Thanksgiving. But Paul said, look, we need to thank the Lord. We need to stop right now and try Thanksgiving. And he did. And then he encouraged them all to eat. And they did. He said, you need some strength. I mean, guys. And he you know, did what You have to do sometimes in the ministry. You not only have to help people spiritually, but you have to help their physical condition. You know, folks, stop and eat here. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to preach to you, but we need to stop and eat for a while. And so some little boy came up with his fishes and loaves. But, you know, Paul was just this wonderful man that said, folks, he had this glowing personality about him that others blessed. It was on Thanksgiving many years ago that the beautiful actress, Helen Hayes, cooked her first turkey. Helen Hayes was more accustomed to the stage than the kitchen, but before serving it, she announced to her husband and her son, she said, now look, this is the first turkey I've ever cooked, and if it isn't right, I don't want anybody to say a word. We'll just get up from the table, no comments, we'll go down to a restaurant, we'll have dinner. So she went into the kitchen. She came back into the dining room, turkey on the plate. And she found her husband and her son seated at the table wearing their coat and their hat. <laughs> All ready to go, never not a word. <laughs> now, I'm not sure what they were glowing about. Or, but the fact is, you know, we do need to give energy to one another, we need to be people who think about the folks around us. Someone suggested that the main difference between a prison and a church is thanksgiving. Imprisoned criminals spend every waking moment griping. But when a criminal becomes a saint, a prison becomes a church for him. But when a saint gives up gratitude, even a church becomes a prison. It's thanksgiving that means the difference between a church and a prison. There was a fable about a man who discovered the Satan's barn. I mean, he went there and he discovered this barn that had all of the seeds that the devil ever used. The man went up to Satan and he looked at him and he said, uh, what are these seeds for? And What do you do with these seeds? He said, oh, He said, these are great seeds. These are seeds of discouragement. The man said, what do you do with these seeds of discouragement? He said, I plant them everywhere. I plant them in the hearts of husbands and wives. I plant them in the hearts of children and young people. I plant them in the hearts of pastors and people. And I plant them all over. And he said, it's my most effective seed it grows up and it is very destructive. The man said, well, is there any um, place that that seed doesn't work? And Satan said, well, actually there is. There's one place that the seed of discouragement has never sprouted. And the man said, what is that? He said, that is in a heart-filled with praise. I've never yet been able to put a seed of discouragement in a heart of thanksgiving. You know, it's a funny thing about us as humans. We're so tendency to just go to the bad or go to the negative or complain. At funerals, you know, we'll bad mouth the person all their life, never really appreciate them, and then we'll go to a funeral and say nice words and give lots of flowers. I like what one beautiful lady said, she said, you know what? I believe in giving flowers to the living. I think we ought to give them to those that pass away, but I think we ought to give them to those that are alive as well. Here was this missionary, darkness, shadows all over him, just feeling discouraged. He tried praying, he tried just being strong, then he walked into his missionary cottage and there on the wall. Or the words try Thanksgiving Beth uh, in our office put these together for you there's one in your worship folder or there's some out there or wherever but you can get another one if you need one but I encourage you to take this little plaque as it were, put it in your car or put it on your refrigerator or put it in your Bible or put it someplace where you'll see it and then When one of your children start complaining or when you start complaining, why don't you just walk over there and say, hey, maybe I'll try Thanksgiving. there's a story of a man who was shipwrecked all alone, hoping that he might be rescued. He built a crude hut. He was discouraged all by himself, little to eat. The little hut that he did have was not much, but it was Something. He went out foraging for food and only to look back and see that the fire he had built by his hut that would help cook the food had set his little hut on fire. He couldn't believe it. He just couldn't imagine that after all that he'd gone through, now the little makeshift house had gone up in flames. He comes there, drops to the sand saying, God, that's all I had. Why did you deserve me? Why did you desert me? Why God, why?" After staying there for several hours, just discouraged and complaining, all of a sudden he looked on the horizon of the little bay he was in and there was men in a rowboat coming towards him. He couldn't believe his eyes, overjoyed. They came up to the shore and hollered at him and said, "Man." good thing you lit that fire so that we could see all the smoke from our ship you know it's a good thing to give thanks unto the lord who knows what god is doing it is a good thing to sing praises to his name do you realize how good the lord has been to you and i do you realize all that he's done for us in revelation chapter 5 verse 10 it says he has made us unto our god kings and priests. He has made us unto our God, kings and priests. The old preacher, R.G. Lee, the uh, late pastor of Bellew Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, he uh, tells the story of back in yesteryear, he got on a train, he had been preaching, he's very tired, talked to so many people, he just wanted to be just kind of left alone for a little while love people just needed a, a little break but of all things he, uh, a a man sat next to him who was a a, a reverend uh, one of these clerical ones who wore his collars backwards and sat next to him it just seemed like he wanted to talk he talked about this talked about that finally asked dr rg lee he said sir what do you do for his living He was trying to ignore the man, just wanted some peace and quiet. Finally decided, well, I might as well just have a little fun with the guy. And he said, sir, I'm a king. The priest's eyes got big. He said, you're a a king? He said, you don't look like a king. He said, well, I am. I'm a king. He said, wow. And he said, furthermore, I'm a priest. He said, you're a priest? He said, you don't look like a priest. He said, I am. I'm a king and I'm a priest. I love that story because the truth is that's exactly what... Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10 says, Each one of us are made kings and priests unto God. I'm a king. I want you to turn to the person on your right, look at them, and say, You are a king. Say that with them. You are a king. All right, turn to the person on your left, say, You are a priest. You are a priest. All right, there you go. Kings and priests. Here's what I want you to say I want you to say, I am a king. I am a king. I'm the child of a king child of a king. God God has done so much for us. Maybe we ought to just say, this year I'm going to try Thanksgiving. Every morning I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to lift my hands. And before I do anything else, I'm just going to say, I am so blessed. And then carry on with the day. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed here this morning.